Jason Kuda Show. Hey, stupid nerds! The download the uh, Boogie Monster with with Kyle Kinane and Dave Stone. So you can find out uh, what happened to Frankenstein and the Wolfman and all that fictional stuff that never happened. And don't pay attention to World War II or the American flag or important things. The Boogie Monster. Podcasting the unknown. Oh yeah? yeah? Oh man. What's going on, dude? Nothing. I saw a guy on a plane back from Tucson. It's like an older gentleman. Mm-hmm. And it just was where they get like a spiral notebook with really big words written in marker, I guess like like hard of sight or what have you. Uh-huh. But it was an oath for the Masons. Hmm. Yeah. It was like it was like he was it seemed like he was maybe a higher up Mason. Really? And he was doing that's so secretive when you're just reading yeah. it in big permanent marker print that you wrote out in a Mead spiral notebook. Did he have any insignia? No, on his he's person? wearing these flip flops. <laughs> There's nothing. I think they're just a, a gang, like I a fun that. gang of old guys. Good for him. But I was, I was like, ooh, what's that? I, I, I'm, I'm nosy. <coughs> I eavesdrop. Yeah, that's cool. And then at the airport in Vegas because I had to had a connecting flight. It sucks when you're that close and you still have to connect. Yeah, I was like, ah, well, I'll go get airport drinks over mm-hmm. in Vegas. But, uh, so, like, one lady was sitting there drinking with her husband, lost her wallet somewhere, ran off, found it. And mm-hmm. another lady who sat down with him, who I was almost drunk enough to ask, she's like, oh, my husband opens for uh, 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 shit. Hmm. Latino comedy. George Lopez. Oh, okay. And I was almost going to be like, ah, but then I don't want to talk about comedy with strangers. George Lopez show. Mm-hmm. And then she left after the other people forgot their wallet. Then she left, and she left her purse at the bar. Hmm. Real uh, scatterbrains. Wow. In Vegas. Hmm. I realize it's not uh, very interesting. Oh, that's okay. I'd like to hear about your... Uh, that's what I did. You're, you're a big fan of the airport bar. I like an airport yeah, bar. I yeah. like sitting there. I'll listen. I'll listen to people for the most part. Yeah. I had a sweet old lady going from Tucson to Vegas, but mm-hmm. I had to pretend to be asleep at a point. At a point, like yeah, she started talking to next to her. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm faking. I'm faking dead, playing dead here. That's funny. She was, yeah, she was just a sweet old lady, but she was going. And then she talked to the guy next to her, got a fake heart, and she was a nurse at the hospital. The guy got a fake heart, and it's very heartwarming conversation. I was like, I got nothing to offer. You're a medical professional. I've learned within 30 seconds. Been in, been in AA for 31 years. Wow. So just when I drink, I gotta get drunk. She's a sweet old lady. Oh, she and was, I was drinking, gonna, and she's in. Uh, well, no, she wasn't. Oh, okay. she, I don't know how we got onto that. Huh. And I was like, I was going to drink on this flight, but I don't want to go throwing them back. It's an interesting concept lady. of like someone currently in AA, but uh, casually just drinking uh, the same way like a fat guy will break his diet. Like, yeah, it's no big deal. I get back on it tomorrow. I'm sure there's that. Well, that's just called moderation. Yeah, no, I'm an alcoholic, but I'm not a maniac about it. Mm-hmm. I, wonder, I like, guess you're not getting what you want out of the program. You yeah. ever go to an AA meeting? No. No, I have not. I, don't know I had I... to go when I got my DUI. And oh, they're really? Very, they're very clear about it. Like, all right, everybody. Oh, they make if, you if, go. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're here for a DUI, just sit around until the end. I'll sign your cards. Hmm. You don't have to participate. 
And then you listen to the people participate. I've heard it done as a joke over and over, but you hear the people telling their rock bottom stories. You're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm nowhere near that. I'm fine. <laughs> Everybody like, Ugh, just slept in an alley, thought about using again. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. I'm yeah. Fine. All right, you guys. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad this is here for you. I don't need it. Yeah, we were talking about that a couple weeks ago about uh, just alcohol consumption and alcoholism, and like I have cumulative, cumulatively, I have drank a lot of alcohol. If you add it all up. But I, I can't think of, like, the worst thing I've ever done while, while drunk. You know, knock on wood, no DUIs, uh, no no fights even uh, with alcohol. I've, I've gotten into fights, you know, for other reasons. But uh, Yeah, I mean. I don't know. Justly so. Yeah. Just, yeah, I, I, we drink. We drink stuff. Yeah, yeah what are you going to do? We drink stuff. Good weekend, man. How was Tucson? <clears throat> Tucson was delightful. Yeah. Big shout out to the people that came out to the show. Mm-hmm. And, it's fun. and then, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun show. Chris Thayer, old uh, Paulie Pellegroso on the show. And then uh, I had a good time. And then I watched Mexican Institute, Institute of Sound. Uh-huh. It was like a fun, weird, like Latin band, but with samples and shit. It was just, I knew them from like a sound. I forget what soundtrack I saw them on. And it was, a, like, it was just a song that caught me. And then they were playing live. I'm like, oh, it was fun. And the whole night ended perfectly when a. When a, a, a taller, just a larger statured woman came up, she looked like Ron White. I think it was mostly because of the dentures. <laughs> he does kind of look like a woman now with his with his hair. You know, he's got the real yeah. flowing locks. Yeah, it was, it, but it was mostly the teeth. It was like mm-hmm. the teeth that the are chompers. too per- yeah old dentures. Yeah, too white. Yeah, but they weren't too white. Okay, but they were too straight. <laughs> okay. Like oh, you've had these yeah. for a while. Huh. And she's just like, yeah, having fun. I'm like, yeah. She's like, I've never seen so many handicapped people here before. Okay. She's like, I'm handicapped, too. You look like my nephew. I'm like, oh, boy. Here we go. He's in the Air Force. He's missing an action. I'm like, that. Yep. I'm like, Ooh. slippery slope we're hanging on to. Yep, we're down the side of it. Wow. She's like, and then did like that thing where it's like, like slippery. Like, okay, I'm not going to be mean. Maybe it's just like, I, t- I just said we gave him to the Russians. Yeah, nobody talks since Grandpa Al died. I'm like, all right, I gotta get going, lady. Now you're just first name basis, like when, within a minute and a half. I hate that. Uh, well, she was just she was a lady with uh, some troubles. I'm not gonna. She wasn't just overly personal. She was clearly a a troubled lady. I don't like it when people refer to people, other people that I don't know by a first name. Yeah. And uh, growing up in the South, that was a big thing in, in like southern um vernacular and the way a lot of southern people talk um they, they talk about daddy well, not my dad not my daddy but you know daddy oh by his title yeah daddy daddy went fishing this weekend and all we had was catfish and like oh, oh okay your dad your dad gotcha but just universal dad or daddy or you know just in other conversation yeah me and mark was down at, who the fuck's mark give me some context you idiot uh, well, good man. Happy Labor Day. We're Thanks, recording man. this on it. Labor yeah, Day. Yeah, we got a. This is a end of summer for the. Yeah. F- at least feelings wise. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for. We don't get much of a fall here, but in LA, but there's a little bit. Sometime like around October, you know, it'll dip down to like seventy five. Mm-hmm. Something manageable. <laughs> What'd you do this weekend? What'd you oh, do? what did I do? I made some chili. Yeah. Uh, college football kicked off Saturday. It's it like my Christmas, you know. So uh, just just eat it out of the pot when just, you just make it for yourself. Uh, I ate out of the pot for leftovers. Yeah, I do that with macaroni and yeah. cheese. I use the same wooden spoon. And I just eat the whole pot. Of yeah, it. 
Made some really good chili. I'm gonna. Um, I've given the recipe out uh, before here on the show, but uh, it's been a while. So at the end of this episode, remind me. I'll. Uh, I'm gonna go through some steps on my my chili and. Oh man, I don't want to brag, but God, oh, I it's, mean it's that's so been good. that's the first recipe I think you've ever put it's out there. So good, dude. I, I'm really. Oh, I just. I just get get excited about chili, but uh, did that Saturday. Watch my Georgia Bulldogs kick the shit out of some Division three school. Um, first couple weeks in college football season, most of the big teams uh, will play just like really small schools, just kind of a warm up, oh. and uh, played Austin P, which is in the. Uh, I guess I can just go ahead and say uh, awful town of Clarksville, Tennessee. I've spent way too many weekends there. I used to do a cl- horrible one night gig. Like I did it like. Six years in a row. How do those teams feel knowing just, they're uh, just the practice? Yeah, I think there's money involved. Like, I the, think the, they the make a lot Joe. of money. I think those small schools get paid a lot of money. Oh, really? I, I don't really know how the finances of collegiate sports works, but they always reference, like, oh, they're going to they're gonna take a whooping, but they're going to get a good payday. So I think they, these small schools get paid. That's not even a conspiracy, but just what a ripoff. Like, they talk about how much schools make off of merchandising, mm-hmm. and then these players, yeah. players don't get paid. No. Can't, yeah. And they're not allowed to have a job. So I totally get the plight of the college athletes, like, Okay, I don't get paid mm-hmm. because I'm a, an athlete. I'm not allowed to have a part time job, you know. And I yes, I know my food and my my tuition and my books and my every housing is paid for. But sometimes I, yeah. I need twenty bucks to buy yeah, pizza. You, you want to do a thing, yeah. But uh, so that was fun. And uh, Friday night went and saw Jason Isbell uh, over at the Greek. Man, what a beautiful venue! I, I've been there before, but it's only the second time. But mm-hmm. uh, I think, and I had really cheap seats. I went with uh, a bunch of comics. Uh, and we sat way up, but like even the cheap seats, per- outdoor venue, just Hollywood Hills, oh, Griffith Park, great, no bad seat in the house. Mm-hmm. And I think from now on, I'm just going to start just getting the cheap tickets. You know, if I want to go see a show there, we got. If I get the cheap tickets from that guy Singer and I found mm-hmm. when we went and saw Dwight Yoakam, yeah, a lot of fun, man. Uh, That's good. Yeah, pretty so, drama three, drama free living. Yeah, yeah. So good weekend, man. Um, nothing too terribly exciting. Yeah, but uh, yeah, still uh, uh, give you a quick Bank of America update. Uh, going on uh, <laughs> day twenty-eight today, still no money. Twenty-eight calendar days. Our beloved customer can go fuck himself. We'll get your money back when we get around to it. Uh, I asked them uh, why it takes. Uh, I called them today. Yeah, and uh, they were working. The you know well, hey, working on Labor Day. I asked them why it's taken 28 days to solve this case and give me my money back. I said it would take about two minutes to look at the uh, security camera footage uh, because there's four different transactions, two in an ATM, two mm-hmm. at a personal teller. Yeah. And uh, four, yeah, you four gave the guy my money. Yeah, yeah. You gave my money to a guy. And this is what they told me. I said, uh, take, I said take two minutes to look at that uh, camera and prove that it wasn't me. And they go, oh, we're not allowed to look at that footage without a subpoena. I said, I said you're not allowed to look at your own security footage Without a subpoena? She goes, yeah. I go, okay. I'm done trying to make sense of what the fuck y'all are doing. Oh, so shout out to Bank of America. uh, To quote Kyle Kadane, kiss my whole asshole. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'd say. uh, 28 days. Still no money. So your money, your money's gone. You willingly let someone have my money and now it's my fault. It's your negligence is now 28 days my problem. We've already learned that the bank can't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. We've already learned that. So please go fuck yourself, Bank of America. Um, ugh. So who knows? I'll, I'll keep you posted. But uh, well, that's a that's a drag. Yeah. Hey, speaking of uh, stuff that's confusing, I was watching a commercial uh, today. I've seen this commercial several times. Tell me if you've seen this Discover Discover credit card commercial. 
and they, they have a they have several different versions, and I cannot figure out what the hell the message is. But there's a, I've seen about three or four different versions so far, and they all unless they establish this in the first commercial, and then it's like a running gag. But this weekend, I saw two different versions. It's kind of the same theme. Uh, the main point of, of this ad campaign is no annual fees, okay? Um, but it's one customer. It's one customer using the phone to call into their, you know, to their customer service line. And then you've got the Discover Card employee answering the phone. And they intentionally, every commercial, four or five of these I've seen, both the customer and the customer service rep look very similar to each other but it's not a thing where like they're twins like for you know like a guy like it would be like if i'm the customer it's a chubby bearded guy yeah and then the the customer service rep and they're similar people they look but they do something similar in the commercial but there's no mention of this. No, like it'd be different if no, the I theme was, was like we're just like you or something. But I all it, it is was the same person, and it's like having your. It's like you're in charge of your own bank. It would make I'm sense sad that I remember. It that would much. make sense if they were like if it literally was the same actor playing two different roles. But if you're not paying attention, that's what you think. You're like, oh, that's uh, that's the same actor, or they're twins, or whatever. But upon closer inspection, they are not the same actor in every case. Like I said, I've seen three or four of these. In every case. It's and it's and it's not an accident either. You know, it's like the one I saw today was like a thirty-year-old, six-foot-tall guy, like a a bearded what was nerd. It for Discover, Discover credit card. And the one I saw today is like this white guy. He's probably about thirty, about six foot tall, but he's got he's got like a, you know normal hairdo. He's got glasses and a beard. And the guy answering the phone, same characteristics. But not the same actor, not a twin, not a double. And but, what's you're upset about this? Well, I just wish they would explain why the fuck that they're do- like it. Like I said, if the theme of the commercial was "Hey, we're just like you," or blah 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 blah, but every commercial is just like "Hey, no annual fees." Does what? Does what? Please they, address the fact that they look alike. Does what they? They just. I'm confused. They just got you to promote Discover. That's interest true. In Discover's That's account. true. You yeah. Shit on one bank <clears throat> and praised another. Can we edit this out? No. Okay. No. I, I didn't want this here as an example, Dave. <laughs> See what happens when commercials annoy you on ah, purpose? It's like yeah, a jingle. That's true. I think it's the same people, though. Mm. You know why? It is because it's dollar for dollar match, and that's the theme. Nobody's listening to this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm watching the commercial. Now I'm watching the commercial. Discover card. Hi. I'm just looking at my account. It's an Asian lady. It's, a, it's another Asian lady with glasses. You matched everything I earned this year? Yeah. More money, more money. Oh, see, they're like, uh, she's happy. I'm going to spread the news. She's happy about the Well, drink. even that makes sense, dollar for dollar match. The two different ones I saw this weekend didn't have the dollar for dollar match thing. It was just no annual fees. And it's like, okay, what the fuck's that got to do with these well, they, two idiots that look alike? They hired a bunch of people that look similar. This one's a cop out because they're... Both Asian. Mm. So it's hard to tell. But, uh, well, you know. I don't know, man. So what? <laughs> <laughs> so what? Oh, that is such a funny. So what? <laughs> what am I? Yeah, what are so we doing what? here? Yeah, so what, dude? What are we doing? Uh, let me give a quick uh, happy birthday. We're not going to really make this a uh, a thing. But if a listener wants to reach out to me and ask me, 
to uh, and it's it's not for themselves. You tell it's Dave, for, I'm not doing else. it for you. Uh, I don't give a shit about your birthday. Happy birthday to Ash Sands, who'll be 27 on September 6th. Ash Sands was the uh, nice young lady who made us the salted caramel cheesecake that I that I didn't get any that, of. that I ate the whole thing yeah. of. Uh, but yeah, so Ash is going to be 27 this week. So shout out to Ash Sands and thank you for that cheesecake. Send another one for Kyle. Yeah, happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. Also, I want to address, I forgot, I don't have his name in my notes, but there, we got a listener in Pennsylvania who, I, if, if I remember his uh, email correctly, he's, he's just about to turn 21 or 18, whatever the age is where you can legally get a tattoo, and he wants a Boogie Monster Man, tattoo. I'm not going to sign off on that. So any, uh, any artist or anybody who wants to design uh, a boogie monster tattoo. I'm not. Uh, send it to us on Twitter or wherever. My you know man, how to reach my us. My man, you got so much life left to live. <laughs> oh, this young buck wants to get a boogie monster tattoo. What are you so. doing? Anybody wants to help this guy? Uh, how are you not? Let's get how some are you not influenced going. by anything else in the world? <laughs> there's so. There's literally everything else you can get a yeah. tattoo of. Well, you know, don't don't dissuade him. No, I will. No. All right, man. What else I mean, going on with luck. you? I got nothing. You're, you're I'm not good? doing shit. Rachel's out of town. Yeah. I didn't do anything. I got back Saturday, and I, I, uh, I yeah, I didn't do anything. I'm a real not? bum. Yeah? There's nothing to do. I got nothing to do. There's nothing to I do. I played my video games. I'm almost <laughs> done with Breaking Bad. I, I don't have There's nothing. For, I don't have to do anything. There's <coughs> nothing to do. Yeah. I got nothing. I was just chilling, man. All right, man. Well, let's go ahead and get into the topic then. You tell, yeah. What is it? Yeah, I told you to surprise me. Well, I'm not going to reveal the topic yet, but I this you'll kind of figure out what I'm. Are about you going to give me about. clues? I want to. Um, I want to talk about the subject. This isn't the topic. This will segue into our topic. But uh, are you a fan of street art? Well, that means so many things. Yeah, but like well done street art. There's a lot of it here in L.A. And back when I was living in the van, I was always out on foot. I wandered all over the city, and I would find all kinds of cool street I art. I finally saw a guy in a lift coming back from a barbecue last night, and I finally saw a guy actually painting really? graffiti. Like, you never see him. No, you never do. And I was looking up off the 101, and I saw a guy up there painting on the wall. I'm like, oh, you never see him. Huh. I like the concept of, of a street artist. Like, uh, not, not necessarily, I mean, I like the art, but just the... Uh, the act of it. I love, I love the uh, the concept of someone behaving like a criminal, but yet their actions are ultimately harmless. I love that they these guys sneak around and climb up on billboards. Yeah, I, I like it when it's good. I don't like just shitty tags. That's, yeah, like that's vandalism. But when it's a mirror, like yeah, I like what graffiti art. I like what it can be. I got tagged three times back when I had the old white van. Yeah, your van got just, tagged. Like that's a dick thanks. move. Thanks a lot, you fucking dickhead. You would think there'd be like a hierarchy of like, all right, apartments, because mm-hmm. a landlord will take care of it. It's not mm-hmm. your property value. It's the landlord's. Yeah. On, did no I tell vehicles. You, did I tell you what I did on those? All three tags, and I left them all on there. But then underneath, they and all three were like the artist tag, the signature, yeah, the, their, their handle. Guy, yeah. And I would always, uh, on all three, I took a magic marker and I wrote, um, is a dork arrow, is a loser. Me bathroom yeah. stall. Yeah, I got him. I got him good. Take it, dudes. That's what you get when you tag my shit. What? What? Uh, but I love good street art. Yeah, man. yeah. I like when they fuck with billboards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like repurpose a billboard. Yeah, I like that, and I like uh, 
there was somebody going around uh, these big. Uh, I don't even know what they are. Like on the sidewalks, like like a power box or some yeah, sort of yeah, utility yeah. box that they they paint to make look like giant uh, outlets. You know, with the big the three I've prongs. Seen that. Yeah, it's, it's stuff like that. There's like these weird little vents off Franklin Avenue on mm-hmm. those fields that people paint like the Super Mario mushroom. Sometime. Yeah, yeah, and that's good. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I've always been a big fan of street art. Um, I, I watched all those documentaries uh, a few years ago. The one on. Uh, Banksy and what was that one? Uh, the uh, what's the name of that documentary? Uh, in through the exit door or something? Or, or oh, that, about the guy they think was maybe Banksy. It's a Led Zeppelin like a hoax. Um, yeah, Mr. What's his name? Mr. Mr. Brainwash, Brainwash whatever. Yeah. The guy who just I'm going to make a bunch of videos that don't really mean anything, but just mm-hmm. I like making video. Okay, but that's um, that's because he was a hoax. Oh, he himself was a hoax. Yeah, they thought the whole movie was just a Banksy prank. Oh, okay. I didn't realize. I yeah, didn't get the bigger the, picture that on that. That was the theory, though, the whole huh. thing. Did they ever find out who Banksy was? Didn't they somebody, reveal it recently? I thought somebody did. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if anybody cares anymore. <laughs> well, anyway, this all uh, leading up to today's topic. Kyle, have you ever heard of the Toynbee tiles? Toynbee. That's, that's a hard word to say. T-O-Y-N-B-E-E. Toynbee. The Toynbee tiles... They're messages of unknown origin found embedded in asphalt on streets in about two dozen major cities in the U.S. and a few in South America. And they've been around. People started to notice them in the early 80s. And, uh, man, there's, there's hundreds of these. Because I know people are doing it with that same kind of like tape paint they would do to mark off crosswalks. Hmm. People are using that to leave messages down on the ground. What do you, oh, oh, oh you mean like the, the actual stripes on crosswalks? This is yeah. more the, the Toynbee tiles. Medium. Twinbee tiles? Toynbee. T-O-Y-N-B-E-E. Toynbee tiles. Oh, here we go. And uh, pull up a picture of them. And they're all very similar to the one that you're going to see here. They're kind of a mosaic style. And uh, I have seen some of these. And pretty much all of them, there's variations, but most of them say the same message in, in four lines. It, they're usually about the size. Uh, it's a rectangle about the size, roughly, of a, of a license plate. And uh, instead of painting them on a wall or a billboard or anything, mm-hmm. these are always found pretty much embedded into the asphalt. And I'll explain how the process and how they do that later. But uh, they all kind of share the same message. It'll say, uh, first line, Toynbee Idea. Second line, In Movie 2001. Third line, Resurrect Dead. Fourth line, On Planet Jupiter. So, uh, upon first glance, that could be pretty cryptic as far as, like, what the hell are you talking about? Toynbee Idea in Movie mm-hmm. 2001, Resurrect Dead, On Planet Jupiter. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's some weird stuff. Let me pull up my notes here. I've seen, I've seen, the, that's what I'm talking about, like, the same method that they're using. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've seen that like kind that of mosaic kind of, style or, or stencil he, style? Yeah. Yeah, but it's not. It's like a an adhesive. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I've. Oh, I don't know if I've seen this exact one. I wish they had a map with the location of them. Tiles like this bit. started appearing in the mid '80s, um, mainly around Philadelphia, and uh, they've been seen in a lot of U.S. cities: Philadelphia, uh, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, New York. They found a couple down in Santiago, Chile. Um, <laughs> Santiago, Santiago, Chile. Chile. Um, like I said, they're about the size of a license plate. There's a few exceptions. Um, but yeah, man. And people for years have trying to figure out, you know, A, what does it mean? B, who's doing it? Why? So 
but and they're not like you wouldn't call these works of art. You know, it's more of the message. No, there's little cryptic messages. I, I did find a map at twinbeeidea.com. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, what's why are they doing it? Okay. Well, let me let me refer to my notes here. Um, so, what this means, as far as uh, what does it mean? Dave? You know, where did they? What What does this message mean? So. They can be taken literally, uh, at least in the early days. They think the artist's sole motivation appeared to be uh, the establishment of a human colony on Jupiter. Okay, the ultimate goal of this colony would be to, quote, build heaven in space and physically resurrect the dead on a planet large enough to accommodate that staggering number of humans. So, Well, that's a heavy... (laughs) That's a a big dish. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, my notes are all scattered all over here. Um, they think Toynbee is in reference to the uh, 20th century British historian Arnold J. Toynbee. And obviously, uh, Kubrick's 2001 is a reference to Stanley Kubrick's movie, 2001, A Space Oddity. What was that, back in 68 is when that came out? Um, 2001. I don't think I've ever seen that. I have I never like seen I would it try to, I think I tried to watch it when I was younger, mm-hmm. and it was always like, man, this is... This is just boring. Yeah, it's a little, I little did over not, your head. Did not understand a slow-paced movie. Yeah. Um, some people think Toynbee could also refer to Ray, Ray Bradbury's short story, The Toynbee Convector. Um, majority of the titles contain similar text. It's, you know, the same four-line idea there. Um, but there have been some variations, and some with, like, little... That'll still have, include those same four lines, but then there'll be, like, little side text, little little messages and stuff like that. Um, several of them allude to a mass conspiracy between the press, the U.S. government, the USSR, or back, back when they first started finding them, the USSR, and uh, the writing is of a similar style and poor quality. So... Why would they do this? Well, there's a there's a good documentary out. I forgot the name of it. Resurre- uh, Resurrect Dead is the name of the documentary. I just watched it today, as a matter of fact. Pretty solid. And it's about these, uh, these three dudes that kind of spent years trying to basically decipher these messages and figure out who is responsible for it. That's the thing. If you want it to be an actual message, why wouldn't you be out in the open and be like, yeah, I, wanna, I want people to live on uh, Jupiter because well. Jesus... Whatever they thought it was going to be. Might be hard to convey that. It's pretty hard to convey it by scribbling on the sidewalk (laughs) all over the world. So um, they did some research, and this is the plan that they think that the uh, artist is trying to uh, convey. Step one. All right, well, basically what what he's talking about, and there's reference reference to this idea in Kubrick's movie, and... I think the whole point of this started uh, from an uh, excerpt from, what's the guy's name? Toynbee. Uh, Arnold Toynbee's biography. Uh, he mentions, I'm trying to think where, I'm sorry, my notes are all scattered. But in uh, Toynbee's biography, there is a, uh, a passage. Let me see. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Human nature presents human minds with a puzzle which they have not yet solved and may never succeed in solving for all that we can tell. The dichotomy of human being into soul and body is not a datum. I don't know that word of experience. No. no one has ever been or ever met a living human soul without a body. 
someone who accepts, as I myself do, taking it on trust, the present-day scientific account of the universe may find it impossible to believe that a living creature, once dead, can come to life again. But if he did entertain this belief, he would be thinking more scientifically if he thought in the Christian terms of a psychosomatic resurrection than if he thought in the shamanistic terms of a disembodied spirit. Basically, what he's saying is there's... Arnold J. Toynbin thought that there could be a concept that you could resurrect the human body after death if we could somehow get hold of these molecules. And the, the, the artist of these Toynbee tiles thinks that, or this message, is that we need to somehow go to Jupiter, colonize Jupiter, and somehow we could take molecules from every person who has ever lived. Somehow is the word doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> and in figure story. out how to resurrect everybody who's ever lived and put them on Jupiter. That's the gist of it. So it's all just a bunch of crazy bullshit. Oh, we'll be able to resurrect the dead. We just have to figure out how to live on Jupiter first. Yeah. This is all right. They think that's that the, what Arnold J. Toynbee came up with. Well, and I don't know if he was speaking literally. No. Um, I'm look up this Arnold. Arnold J. J. Toynbee. So what did you do? You the research found that uh, the uh, the artist of these Toynbee tiles he didn't believe in an automatic afterlife. He believed that if one was going to exist, there was up to human beings to physically construct it. So basically, and here's how they break down his plan. Step one, you drop dead and you rot away. Your consciousness goes with it. So that's step one. You die, your soul disappears, your body decomposes. Step two, humans decide to build heaven in space on a planet suitable to house everyone who has ever lived. So they think step three would be Jupiter. Establish a colony on Jupiter because apparently Jupiter's big enough to house Every person who has ever lived. Yeah, forget about the fact that you can't live on Jupiter. Well, they're working on it. And it's, it's a gaseous planet. There's not even ground. Step four, the final step, find a way to recombine the pattern of molecules that made up your physical body. A perfect replica brings rise to the consciousness that was and always will be you. What if you can clone yourself? Maybe that's it. You clone yourself and mm -hmm. then you put your soul... The molecules that are your soul. Man, I don't know. You know, Arnold J. Toynbee met with Hitler in 1936. Oh, yeah? And uh, Toynbee was uh, kind of on board with Hitler in 1936, what he was spouting off about. So there's that. You hmm. got that one there. Hmm. Mr. Mystery Tiles yeah. was on board with the greatest evil of the 20th century. Oh, my God. Yeah, I did read somewhere that when we're I, I purposely omitted the word Jews, <laughs> but uh, when the conspiracies uh, they they think that uh, these messages might be connected to conspiracies between the government and the media and Russia and somehow Jews. So that that right there the uh, red flag. But that's what. It, wait, wait. Say that. Wait. What happened? They think that. Uh, well, let me go back here. Ah, shit, hold on. Because this guy, I mean, they're not... Oh, this. Oh, oh 
shit. Now I can't find it. No. I don't know. Everything else that I'm g- glancing over looks like this. Uh, he's like a regular smart guy. But then I don't know about this whole uh, I want to live on Jupiter part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing that pop up that he wanted to live on. Well, I'm not saying that uh, Toynbee himself wanted to live on. I think whoever this artist is that's made these Toynbee tiles, they are pulling... That, oh, that's their idea that we got to live yes. on Jupiter. Yes, yes. It's not this uh, awarded philosopher. <laughs> okay, because I'm looking around, like, I don't see anything about him saying we got to live on Jupiter. Yeah. So a crazy person read a book mm-hmm. and agreed with it and mm-hmm. then took it one step further. Mm-hmm. And they're from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And they put the tiles around, and mm-hmm. they're gonna cut. They're a tiny cult. They're a small cult. Well, if it's a cult or just one, one crazy dude. Well, then he's got a lot of frequent flyer miles. Mm-hmm. Like, what do these mean? That like, there's tile, like the map. There's a map. The Toynbee idea has a map of them, but then they also have different colored dots. I don't know. What okay, here's Toynbee's uh, expert expert uh, excerpt from his. Uh, autobiography that inspired this unknown artist okay quote from his biography however the dust of which a human body is composed quantitatively trivial though it is is an integral part of the inconceivable vast physical universe and when after death the body dissolves into physical elements these elements themselves are not annihilated Death has destroyed the organism that, for a brief time, had succeeded in maintaining itself as a puny counter-universe. But the physical materials of which the body dissolved human... The physical physical materials of which the dissolved human body was composed at the moment of death have not been destroyed through ceasing to be incorporated temporarily in an organic physical structure. They are continuing to exist as parts of the physical universe, though this is not... is no longer in organic form. So... That's uh, that's uh, Arnold J. Toybee's uh, words there, and this artist has somehow taken that to mean that it is somehow Live on possible, an impossible planet. Yeah, and, and to to somehow regenerate molecules of every person, and then I guess clone them. That's fine. I don't see anything about this. This guy is. I don't know. They're not entertaining that on the Wikipedia article. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'm not saying, oh, yeah, by the way, also he thinks you could just collect your dead bits. I mean, let me look up. RJ Toynbee, uh, the re- reincarnation, would it be? Mm. What would it be? What would you call that? Yeah, I guess that would. Well, yeah, I don't know What's it say what it would that? fall under. Resurrection? Resurrection. Yeah, I think it, it would fall under resurrection. Man, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Well, and I don't know either as far as the... Because uh, like, now they're just now it seems like they're taking the name Toynbee Tiles and just using that to describe any... This, the method. Well, there's definitely, they think, been a lot of copycats. And part of the mystery of this story is who, who the fuck's doing this? And this documentary that I just watched, they, they feel like they figured it out. They figured out who the guy is, and I'll explain how they uh, came to that conclusion. Let me see. Yeah, you tell me, because I don't know. Well, on one of the tiles that uh, was found in Santiago, Chile, uh, it had an address. It had an address on it. 
Uh, seriously, there was an address, uh, a Philadelphia address. I don't have the exact address in front of me. But they went, so there, there was literally an address on one of the tiles. They found it in Chile. Uh, you want to say Chile a couple Chile. more times? But, uh, so they went and did some investigation, and they went to the actual physical address somewhere in Philadelphia and uh, started talking to some neighbors and talking to some other people. And apparently this weird dude, this real reclusive dude, who very few of the neighbors have seen, uh, has been living at this place for many, many years. And uh, I'll reveal his name here in just a minute. Where did his... Because even on this map that they got on their website, you could tell somebody just went up and down whichever highway on the East Coast, Mm -hmm. plunking them up. Somebody went up and down the 95, plopping them all over the place, and somebody went up and down the 322 out to Atlantic City. Because there's a string of them there and there's a string of them there. So this dude took a road trip with his little fucking stickums and put them on a couple routes around there. Mm-hmm. They were mysterious enough. New York got the street art kids putting them all over Manhattan. There's a ton in Manhattan in mm-hmm. Midtown. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy they think did it is this Philadelphia resident named uh, Severino Verna. Yeah, Verna. Severino Verna uh, Verno. Go, go, goes by the name Sevi, and uh, he is the one that has lived for many years at the address that was found on uh, the tile in, in, in Chile. Odd that he would only that he would put the address only on that one, and, and why the, why why put your address on there unless you want people to come knocking on your door and harassing you. Mm-hmm. And the way yeah, I don't know what, uh, yeah that that okay why would he be giving up yeah yeah and get, now this is interesting because well, let me explain how they do this how they actually this guy like I said they're not just you know spray painted on walls and overpasses and shit um, it's kind of an intricate way he did this that I don't know how to explain it but it's a uh, like I said, it's about the size of a license plate. So it's layers. So like the bottom layer was like some sort of tar paper. And then the middle layer was a piece of linoleum. And he would carve the letters out of the linoleum, yeah. kind of a stencil style. And then I think did something with uh, some sort of, um, you know, the shit they fill in the cracks, asphalt, glue, no, that's what a- I mean. It's, it's, it's like when you see a crosswalk made, mm-hmm. and it looks like it's not just paint on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's like a tape that they use. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's made okay. out of that. I've seen them. They're yeah. made out of that. So so the bottom, I'm sure it's a, there's a couple more pro- steps to this process, but essentially the bottom layer is tar paper. The middle part uh, is, is kind of the linoleum that's been carved out and the letters have been mm-hmm. carved out of. And then on top is another piece of tar paper. So it's kind of like a sandwich. And then they would uh, he would place it. You know, on the asphalt, and then, but but not peel off that top layer. Leave that top layer of tar paper. So now it just looks like a black rectangle yeah, yeah. on on the surf on the asphalt. And then the point is that over time, cars roll Wears over it, it down. Okay, and that that's a it's a two prong purpose there. The cars rolling over it uh, mashes it down into the asphalt, yeah. and then eventually that top layer of tar paper wears off. To reveal the middle section, which is then the message, which okay. is then the actual tile. Okay, so it's got it takes a little time to be revealed. Yeah, exactly. And th- I found this interesting. They were like, "Well, how the- they found these in Times Square? 
they found them in the right at the entrance of the Holland Tunnel, like really busy roadways. You know, some of these some of these but, roadways. But, but going back to like graffiti, I mean, mm-hmm. they're gonna get it somewhere. Yeah. Well, here's how they think he did it. Okay, <clears throat> they think that he in his car, this guy, uh, whoever oh. he said his name was. Uh, I, I've lost that too. I got to start writing this shit down. I'm just bouncing around on my Verno. Verno. They think he had a car where he cut out the floorboard of his car. So, like you know, there's there's no floorboards, just yeah. just the pedals, and then the uh, then the the world underneath his feet. So he would roll up to the to the spot where he wanted to place this. Let's say at a red light at a busy intersection, and while he's parked, you know, idling at the red light, he throws it in park. And then, you know, goes down to his floorboard mm-hmm. and places the, the tile. And they, they think, obviously, he's able to do this in just a matter of seconds. And that way, you don't see anybody getting out I of mean, the car. I mean, it's New York. You could shit on the sidewalk and people aren't going to notice. That's true. But, I mean, I like that. That's a pretty sneaky way to do it. It reminds me of uh, in Casino when uh, Pesci's crew um, knocks down. The, they, they break into a jewelry store via the side wall and what they did was they they pulled their van up to the side of the oh, wall yes. nobody would see so it. nobody could see and then they did their work yeah I, but that, new york uh, yeah you're gonna get what done what you want to get done mm-hmm. but like even the, the holland tunnel like you'd have to i mean that right there tells you he he can do it in just a few seconds because like you know if he pulls up the holland tunnel sees that he's got a quarter mile of nothing behind him you know well, in the middle I just, of the night. for what i guess it's nice to see a, a crazy person mm-hmm. uh, channel their lunacy into more artistic endeavors instead of like uh mcveighing pipe bombs around the country that's true or what have you that's very true you know, good for him for mm-hmm. going i'm gonna make little placards <laughs> what else about this guy what do they know about him they interview him uh no he did no one uh, he didn't he they they tried to and they had uh, they talked to some neighbors who were like yeah that's so uh, what's the and the neighbors uh, confirmed that yeah he's got this weird car where the uh, the floorboards are, are taken out there's there's no there's no yeah. floor so then they're like ah that's how we did it but uh, yeah there's very little known about the actual dude if um, now they did do some research like they found they identified him but they they weren't able to actually talk to him. But uh, they. Well, we have what for? <laughs> they somehow. Are you doing nothing wrong? Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> they think uh, he was born in Philadelphia in the fifties. Um, they say he had an uncle that was politically connected. Uh, some other relatives. Um, one relative was the inventor of instant replay. I don't know how to figure that out. Um, but yeah, so they, they've identified the guy, but the guy himself hasn't come forward and be like, "Yeah, it was me." But just based on his, you know, his his weird behavior of not wanting to be interviewed and some of the uh, circumstantial evidence as far as like the, the floorboardless car and uh, all that kind of stuff. I and, remember reading about these two and losing interest real quick. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, like I, I don't say, I'm not saying his, uh, you know, his message is, is pretty cuckoo, but I, I've always liked the idea. Like even the Banksy thing, like who is Banksy? Like I know he kind of got oversaturated and overexposed, but like the yeah. concept of some, you know, Batman type character roaming the, around. The Batman element is, you is know, neat. That that's always been intriguing. So this is like this guy's like a real shitty Batman. Yeah, he just sticks stuff on the ground. <laughs> the uh, place that's in within reach of uh-huh. everyone. Yeah. 
And there's been, you know, like, for example, on that documentary we were talking about, uh, and I don't claim to know a lot about mm. street art. I just I, I see stuff, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. But in that video, uh, in that documentary, they were talking about uh, Space Invader. Is Dave's another. not the urban art historian. <laughs> that you think I might be. Mm-hmm. But, uh, for example, like Space Invader, he's a guy who just has a, a literal tile. Oh, yeah, like I a see bathroom that. Tile I see those around. That, yeah. But they've, you know, in that documentary, they, they showed, they, they located those all over the world. And there's just something cool about that of like, oh, the guy, yeah. clearly he was in South America, and he was in Asia, and he was in New York, and he was in L.A. Well, some guy saw, I remember the big thing was like stealing all the address label stickers from the post office and people put their tags on those and then put the stickers you know the the thing you'd get an envelope by a package an envelope at the post office and Mm -hmm. then you get a a label a little Mm -hmm. three by five whatever index card Mm -hmm. size label that's a u.s post office that's what you write your address on well people would tag that Mm -hmm. and then they just have a stack of homemade stickers that they put everywhere Ah. so the ups or u.s post office thing Mm -hmm. with that so I could like it maybe like that. It's the medium. People are like, oh, we can get these kind of, this kind of material. Mm-hmm. I remember. Do you remember when they shut down? People thought it was a bomb threat because it wasn't long after nine eleven and Aqua Teen Hunger Force. You know the little eight uh, bit guys. I forget what they're yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And they were about. putting a neon signs up with those, yep. but like street art style. Yes. And somebody thought it was a bomb threat. I remember that. Everybody was all jacked up after. Uh, Nine eleven, but yeah, there there is something fascinating about um, just like leaving your mark all over the world. Like the, some of these really, uh, you know, did you got a tooth there? You all right? What? No. I oh, I thought that was an Alabama barking spider. No, no, no. Um, spider travel from last week. Last week they were in Tennessee, I'm moving south for yeah. the winter. Yeah, well, well, it's different ones. I can yeah. identify based on the sound. You got a good ear. Different species. Not only a street art connoisseur. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. There is some fascinating about like a street artist who's who's leaving his mark all over the world, and just the the concept of like, well, street art now is getting you know more and more in the mainstream. But yeah. you know, ten twenty years ago, people were like, what is that? I think that's why trains are always such a big target because mm-hmm. then it travels. Like mm-hmm. people see your tag all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't know if this is related, but I've seen this a few times. Like, what is the deal with putting padlocks? On fences, like uh, um, uh, think, chain link fences. I think it's just like putting coins in a fountain. Really? Okay. You know, just yeah. some equivalent of a. I didn't know if there was a meaning to it. No, I think it's that same kind of thing. I know in in, in Paris there was that padlock fence that everybody put there, and you know, mm-hmm. padlock is a, 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 can be symbolic if you'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just the thing to do. Yeah. Just like throwing change in a fountain. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. If you were a street artist, what would you do? What would be your thing? And, and the thing about that documentary, I was watching, not this one, but the um, In Through the Outdoor or whatever, the Exit Through the Rear, or yeah. Stick It in My Butt, whatever. Um, like, it's not just, you know, graffiti and tags and stuff. Like, Banksy, or whomever they think Banksy was, uh, he was doing some real elaborate shit, like taking, like in London, mm-hmm. taking uh, phone booths, you know, uh, cutting them in half in his warehouse and then welding them back to where they're, like, bent and then putting them back and, like, real elaborate pieces set pieces and stuff yeah i i don't know i me and my friend got in trouble because we were pretending to be and we started a gang called the amish kings when we were in high school oh yeah do the ak with the corn corn cob and pitchfork cross Mm -hmm. and the gang officer talked to us about it yeah it's like i get it's funny but you're vandalizing locker also uh the actual gangs will still kick the shit out of you for this yeah okay i guess we'll stop making fun of gangs (laughs) a couple of twerps 
Man, one thing I did a lot in high school, which uh, I don't know why we were so into it, but looking back, it's like, hey, could have somebody could have got killed because mm-hmm. of us, uh, just stealing stop signs. We yeah, just, we I was just going to say, I would like to make larger stop signs. Yeah, I would make abnormally large stop signs because the fucking idiots in this neighborhood mm-hmm. don't seem to uh, notice the regular sized ones that yeah. are everywhere. That would be funny. Or a stop sign and then a stop sign underneath it that says, look, a stop sign. Mm-hmm. Or something. Just just like a, like... Ooh, you I know... Yeah, that like the street art that does something. Like, we were talking about that before. The guy mm-hmm. who put the sign up downtown for the 5 Freeway. i tell you about that. No. Right where the 110 splits off into the 5 and, mm-hmm. the, and, and Going the north. 101. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first moved here, like the kind of shield the blue and red state route shield or whatever mm-hmm. for the five freeway with that, with that hard turn right there yeah and it was up there but it was wonky it was like all the way to the side of the sign it was uh-huh. like they added it after the fact but it was up there for years and then i read and i forget it was an artist i'm gonna find out who it is because they deserve credit um made that sign and got a pickup truck that he put like it looked like a streets and sanitation placard on it uh-huh. but it said like department of good times and smooth sailing or whatever that's all awesome. parked and dressed up in the outfit he, you know you need to look like and uh-huh. went out there and put that on there and it's just helpful like yeah it's no people need to know that you can get to the five freeway from this interchange yeah and then the city found out about it and like well it's fastened on there all right and they just left it there they just changed it a couple years ago really yeah i never noticed it it might um, a five. So. That's kind of before you mentioned that. That's where I was heading, like thinking about different types of street art, but like conflicting street signs. You know, if there's a no right on yeah. red, and then right next to it you put right on red. Okay, this is the guy here. Yeah, Richard Ankrum. He secretly designed, built, and installed a five-freeway north traffic sign over the 110 freeway. He used to live in Orange County and gotten lost because it wasn't adequately signed. Mm -hmm. That's when it dawned on him. I'm a sign guy. I could do this. Uh, For only nine months? I thought it was up there for a lot longer than that. Hmm. No, here. That's before anybody noticed it. And then he... Leaked it to the press mm-hmm. that it happened, and then they still left it up for eight years. Wow. Yeah. So, that's, yeah. That's but, pretty like, cool. That's like you're doing a thing that's nice. Yeah, unlike what I did as a teenager. I mean, I bet you I stole six or seven stop signs. Yeah, that could uh, kill people. Yeah, yeah. didn't think about it at the time. And then my dad found them in the basement, and I was like, oh, I, I just been collecting them. Found them in ditches. Yeah. My dad was like, "Uh uh-huh. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just our little... I mean, when you're a kid, you're an idiot. But, yeah, Yeah. that'll get somebody killed. Yeah, probably not a good idea. But, yeah, I just... I like the idea of, like, guys sneaking around, doing shit as if, you know... And and a lot of this is technically criminal, but, like... You were almost a street artist without the art part. Yeah. You just just wander around at night. Just, yeah. Well, yeah, and I I did that up until recently. But you could have just gotten a paint set and put Mm -hmm. something together. Brennan Walsh would always do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There was like a Top Chef billboard or something, and he put himself on there with like a big stupid hat and a bolt mixing bowl with a <laughs> that's funny with a whisk. Yeah, it was like, but he put it up there and like vinyl stickered it up there. But I guess it was like totally the wrong size than the other characters on the billboards. <laughs> I mean, it was like a lot bigger than them or a lot smaller. 
Oh, man. But he was doing shit like that around town for a while. Yeah, him and Randy Ledke do a lot of that stuff. Yeah, what was the yeah. thing Randy did a few years ago where he made a bunch of cookies that looked just like and iPhones? Yeah, yeah, when they were cracking down on talking on your phone. And he would make cookies that looked like iPhones. So if he got pulled over, he'd just take a bite out of it. But apparently he did get pulled uh, over. Uh, yeah, they're And saying, he had some <laughs> some old traffic, unpaid parking tickets, and he got busted. Well, is that, is that's that correct? Well, Randy was the one responsible for the whole pace salsa thing i got involved in so that's the thing like once you're dealing with a prankster how far down like they're gonna keep pranking you the whole way yeah so i don't know if he actually got busted but like that kind of stuff like when you can fuck with the man mm-hmm. a little bit with just kind of showing off the hypocrisy yeah because i remember randy doing that as a joke before like you can't talk on the phone yeah but you can just hold your shoe up to your head while you drive mm-hmm. you can hold a banana to your head and that's not illegal what's the difference yeah why is that why is that <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, man, that is funny. A guy driving around talking into a banana. Yeah. Oh, man, that's funny. But, yeah, man, so I don't know. I don't know what the hell uh, this message. Well, like, I like that it's whimsical and not malicious. Yeah, but I'd love to see an interview with the actual guy and be like, hey, man, what the fuck you talking about? What does this mean? And, and, and like, you... <laughs> You felt so strongly about this idea that you spent 30 years traveling the world putting these stupid tiles everywhere? Yeah, but you look at how much people get upset. People are nuts. Mm-hmm. And there's not, nothing to say he'd put it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, he could have contracted it out. Yeah, you know, you don't know who's yeah who's just influenced by it, what kind of... What weirdo? I mean, it started in the '80s, so mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily a message board. Yeah. But what? What society? If you're not going to call it a cult, what little society? Yeah. He's about, look at a band that gets the fans to put the stickers everywhere. Yeah. Another thing he did. Uh, speaking of uh, shortwave radio, what we talked about last week, he would drive around his neighborhood with a shortwave radio, uh, a, a portable one, a mobile one, and uh, he would broadcast the same message verbally just just in his neighborhood and it would only go out you know 30 40 feet radius and uh people watching television as he would drive by this this audio message would uh, leak into the transmission of the tv and there was a lot of reports of people like calling the tv company or the the cable company or whatever and be like why i hear this weird message every now this guy he's just a weirdo yeah yeah driving around with a huge antenna on his car and uh, transmitting a, a verbal uh, message, and it's like leaking into people's TV. I've always been interested in like uh, just this type of stuff. And and one thing I got kind of into years ago was um, like train culture, like train hoppers, and just uh, mm-hmm. all the markings on trains. A lot of it's just you know graffiti and tags and stuff. But uh, one thing I learned when I was doing a little research years ago about that is a lot of these train hoppers will communicate with one another uh, by markings on the trains. Like, for example, I'm totally making this up for the sake of the example, but, like, there'll be a, there'll be symbols on certain trains and certain oh, underpasses. Where you can, like, where yeah. a house is friendly, where exactly. not friendly. Yeah. A boat is the name. Billy Joe Cotton or something. There's a fella. Mm-hmm. You could tell he's maybe kind of part of, like, the early hipster movement of people mm-hmm. riding trains, but it was an interesting read. Yeah. Yeah, just the just the concept of, like, being able to yeah. cryptically communicate yeah, hobo with people. signage. Yeah. yeah. I always thought that was pretty neat. 
every time I when I'm traveling, I'm on the road, and I see like if I'm in the in the Southwest and just long stretches, and yeah. you can see these trains for miles and miles. You know, you run parallel to them. I'm always on the lookout. I just want to see I, some crust punks hanging off the yeah, back. Yeah, it seems of them. like a romantic idea, but I bet there's like like a half hour into the desert when you're just exposed. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. Kind of a part of the of a speeding train that you can't get off, and yeah. you're just in the sun. You're like, this isn't. This is why people don't do this. Yeah, yeah. There's been documentaries of like people, you know, going undercover and trying. All right, we're going to try to get from Georgia to California, and it's just just seems miserable. You know, they're broke, they're cold, they're wet, mm. they're just ugh. But yeah. But yeah, this dude just wandering around putting this shit. I do like the uh, the way he did it, if, if that's correct. Uh, the theory that they think that he hollowed out his floorboards and was able to do it just uh, just kind of right out in, in the open. Well, so yeah, man, there you go. Got a fun, whimsical guy doing something quirky in the world. <laughs> I'll celebrate that much. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess the guy's still alive. I don't know, but. Uh, yeah, they're still they're still seeing these things, and then of course now the the speculation is you know the ones that are still popping up to this day are they uh, originals or are they just copycats? Yeah, maybe he's. Uh, what message? All right, we'll wrap it up here in a second. What message? Okay, rather than the the style of street art, what message would you like to convey to the world if you yourself were a street artist? Like, what's a Something that could fit on a small placard, you know. Just I just like, like fucking with the fucking with billboards and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I thought, uh, oh shit, painting by Alex, and he just paints different banks in L.A. on fire. <laughs> and he got, he said he got investigated. Oh, thinking like you're gonna set these banks on fire. He's like I'm an artist. I painted this bank, and I just happened to paint it on fire. That's how I paint yeah. banks. Yeah, that's not illegal. Yeah, it's not necessarily a terroristic threat. I found it when I was just bent out of shape by Chase. Yeah. So anytime there's like stuff that takes them down, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't have a specific message, but when it's like, yeah, like there, there's, I've seen stuff on the sidewalk now, like where they'll have like a fun, like a cowboy or something that just says social media is selling your information. Yeah. Like, like get off your phone, like kind of like look up, look mm-hmm. at the world. Yeah. There's one right near my house, a stencil on the, on the sidewalk. Social media selling your shit. I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that one a lot. And there's a thing that's on the sidewalk. You never see the people doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I like the message. I don't know if you know having that on the sidewalk in the hippest part of a major city is really hitting the mm-hmm. hitting them where it counts. How long? Get that in front of the shopping mall. See yeah. how long it lasts before it gets power washed off. But yeah. How long before, if it hasn't already, uh, until corporations start co-opting street no, art? No, they do that already. Do they? I'm absolutely sure they do. Yeah, that. I'm sure they do. I haven't. I can't. Or do weird art? Yeah, the whole weirdo thing, the whole design for like the Skittles ads that you still. I still talk about because they were funny ads. Yeah. And got people talking about Skittles. Now, what percentage of people talking about them went and bought Skittles? Yeah. You know, who knows? But got you talking about it just because of sheer weirdness, and then some people you you could tell would miss the mark. Yeah. Like, oh, hi. Like that, but is it Buscemi from whatever movie? He's like, hey, fellow kids. He's like, has <laughs> a shirt that says music band on Ahmed Baruch's in one of those. Oh, really? He's in one of those weird Skittles ads. At least one, maybe a couple. But yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't know about, I don't know what my message would be. Hmm. Oh, well. Well, look out for them Toynbee tiles. They're fun to see. Now that you know about them, they're fun mm-hmm. to see. Mm-hmm. Now you get a little background on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know about the whole living on Jupiter shit. That's a little bit 
far-fetched, but uh, yeah, I hope he doesn't start enacting his idea of a of a resurrection on the people around him. Yeah, that's uh, man, that's weird. Well, all right, go look for them tiles. They're well, fun. There you go. Just uh, something more, a little more lighthearted than normal on today's episode. Just look for that street art. Um, I mentioned earlier, I, w- I want to talk about chili real quick. You got time for me to talk about my chili? I doubt about the real quick part of yeah. it, but go ahead. All right. I've, I've talked about this before. I'm not even going to go over, you know, I'm not going to give you an itemized uh, ingredients list, but here's just, here's, here's, here's my method now. All right. Start with some good beef. Get you, uh, I do a mix. I'll do, uh, I'll do like a pound and a half of a ground sirloin. And then, if you can find you a butcher that'll just grind shit right there, just go buy you a big old New York strip or a fat-ass ribeye and hand it to him and say, hey, grind this shit up. So a nice ribeye and some ground sirloin. That's what I start with. Um, so get that stuff. Uh, start browning that in a big old, uh, big old Dutch oven or something like that, nice pot. So brown that shit up. Take a whole onion, dice it up real fine, throw that shit in there. All right, so now you got you some beef and some onions going. And then uh, then get you a blender, and uh, you want to get some, right now, uh, hatch chilies are in season, at least uh, in, in, the, in, in the southwest. Uh, oh, yeah, got me a whole bag of hatch chilies the other day. But uh, get you some poblano peppers, some perilla peppers, some hatch chilies, some sort of a green pepper, uh, preferably not uh, the bigger ones. You don't want... Um, you don't want to just throw a ton of jalapenos in there. Anything's going to be too hot. You can throw a jalapeno in there. But, uh, yeah, like the, the big um, poblanos or perillas or hatch chilies or something, uh, broil those in the oven. Get you a, uh, a nice cookie sheet and uh, throw you some, some peppers in there. And then uh, also take you another onion, quarter that bastard up, and uh, throw that on the tray. So now you got a tray full of uh, peppers and onions, maybe some uh, some peeled garlic cloves, and just broil that shit for about 20, 30 minutes uh, with the broiler. And then uh, then you pull that shit out, and you gotta got to rinse off the, uh, the, the the charred parts of the, of the pepper. Anyway, and then cut the stems out, uh, cut, cut the, you know, leave, take most of the seeds out, depending on how hot you want it. But point being, get you a blender, and in the blender you throw your uh, your, your your broiled onions, and peppers and garlic. Throw that in a blender. Also, get you a small can of chipotle peppers. Throw that shit in there. And a couple of sardines. So now we got a blender full of peppers, onions, garlic, chipotle peppers, and sardines. Blend that shit up into a puree. Add that to the pot. So now we got that puree going with the real onions and the beef. And uh, then you throw in a little tomato paste to kind of thicken that shit up. And then throw you in uh, a little bit of bourbon. Get some bourbon going on in there and uh, some dark chocolate. Oh, God, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. And then you got your spices. (laughs) Then a little bit of chili powder, a little bit of cumin, uh, salt and pepper. What other uh, off the top of my head? Smoked paprika. Um, there was one. Oh, I threw in some cinnamon this time. Threw in a little bit of cinnamon and a little bit of brown sugar. So there you go. Uh, pretty simple process. You got the beef, you got the onions, you got the pepper, onion, sardine, chipotle puree, a uh, little tomato paste, bourbon. You can also throw in some beer and then your spices, man. Oh, that dark chocolate. They, I talked about it before, but the sardines and the dark chocolate, I know that sounds fucking weird. It's umami, baby. We're going for those deep, deep flavors. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man, I have so much fun. 
cooking chili. And then just let that shit, that shit simmer for a couple hours. Game day chili. And, uh, oh, boy, it's good time. It is. Oh, and then the next day, I made a, I made a chili omelet. Oh, just a big old omelet with I'm, some chili I'm on top. Oh, so good. And we were talking chili about Chili in the breakfast in, in oh. the breakfast plate, totally oh. acceptable. Oh, so good. And then I always garnish it with some uh, some nice uh, shredded cheddar, a little sour cream, a little really thinly sliced red onion, uh, some thinly sliced green onion, and some fritos. I know this seems like a lot, but uh, just redneck pho, you know? And we were talking about this off the air. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but when you're making this chili... Make you make you a double batch, all right? Make you two batches, one for eating, and you take that other batch, and then you, you hang on to it for a day or two, and then uh, when you're done eating the regular chili, you take that second batch of chili, and you construct you a chili lasagna. Let's talk about the concept. So, well, that's what you were bringing up. Chili lasagna. Uh, just however you make lasagna, replace the spaghetti sauce or the tomato sauce with the chili, and replace the mozzarella with cheddar. Everything else is the same. Just, just essentially uh, the lasagna noodles, cheddar cheese, and chili, and just make you a goddamn uh, uh, chili lasagna. I'm so excited. Uh, so excited. Uh, you ever just put an egg on top of that bowl get, of chili? Oh, fried egg, fried egg just on top of it? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Man, good times. So, yeah. All right, here's the thing. If you want the actual chili recipe, I'm not going to give it to you for free like I used to with the biscuit. Uh, you can buy you buy Dave Stone's Kitchen Survival Guide. Holler at me, and I will uh, tell you how to get a hold of my Kitchen Survival Guide that has that chili recipe in there. So, yeah, good times. Have some fun with some chili. Oh, I'm excited. What are you plugging there, dude? <laughs> Nothing. I'm just excited about your... Excitement. Oh, I love chili, dude. I like real horned up about that chili. Whew, chili and gumbo. I like. I like. Sh- I like shit in a bowl. I get that though. I get. Mm. Yeah, I understand. Mm. I feel you on that. It's fun. What am I plugging? I don't know. I'll be in Boise on Saturday. That's pretty cool. Comedy fest in Boise at um, at the Egyptian Theater. Oh yeah, come to it. That sounds fun. Yeah, I'll be there. That's cool. what I'm doing. What are you doing this weekend? This weekend, watching football. I'm watching football this weekend. No Thursday, NFL starts. Atlanta Falcons. Uh, yeah. Falcons start. Mm-hmm. Very excited. When did they lose? Last year? Two seasons ago. They lost two the seasons Super Bowl. Ago. Who played last year? Last year was, uh, was the uh, Eagles and the Patriots. Oh, that's right. Everybody was yeah. getting excited about Eagles them Eagles. Yeah. yeah. I think that's who we're playing this year, too, for the, uh, for the first game. I think Thursday we're playing the Eagles. I'm not sure. But yeah, watching football. Uh, let me plug a couple of September dates. Uh, on the 19th, I'll be in Tampa at uh, uh, Ella's Americana Folk Art Cafe. That's a free show, by the way. You don't even need tickets. They just say, hey, you want to come do a free show? I'm like, well, I, I don't perform for free, but if you want to buy everybody else's ticket, that's fine. Uh, on the 20th, I'll be up in Jacksonville, Florida at uh, Dahlia's Poorhouse. And then on the 21st, I'll be in Orlando, Florida at Bull and Bush. Uh, all that info at dumbdavestone.com if you need those tickets. So holler at your boys. And uh, I feel like we're forgetting to plug something. I don't know. We we can't reveal the new live date yet, can we? The one we we're working on is that's well, not no, being confirmed. We, right. we got another live date coming around the corner. We'll we'll reveal that pretty soon. Go online, do the stuff, mm-hmm. rate the podcast. If you don't like it, well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> Give us your money. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, oh, oh, let me throw this out real quick. Throw uh, it out, Dave. We haven't addressed this. I, you and I are both uh, wouldn't. Uh, nobody would accuse us of being technically savvy. So I don't. Uh, we we switched over to Starburn Audio, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't understand all the ins and outs of the technical end, like the RSS feed and. I don't understand how you guys are able to listen to us, but I guess there have been some issues. Like, you're no longer here. You're no yes, longer there. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is, but we'll try to. If you have an issue, tweet at us, and uh, I'll relay it to Starburns and see if they can't help you out and, and let you know where to find us. But there are apparently in the last couple of weeks have been a few issues. Um, but, yeah, Kyle and I don't know nothing, but we know people who know stuff. So Yeah, we can talk to the higher Yeah, we'll figure it out. So, yeah, thanks for listening. I'll let you boys. Bye, sweeties. The Boogie Monster.